You know, Jesus gave his disciples power to overcome spiritual things. This is a very interesting chapter as we study Matthew chapter 10. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are going through the Bible, the most important book of all. And it goes from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, an exciting book. Today we're in Matthew chapter 10. So stay there. It's going to be a good one. Corey is helping us. Corey? So I'm actually going to be switching our focus over to Matthew chapter 12 and the sign of Jonah. Ryan? Well, similarly, in Matthew chapter 12, we see Jesus make a reference to both Jonah and Solomon. And Jesus again makes reference to Jonah in Matthew chapter 16. So today I'm going to be reviewing the life of this very reluctant prophet. Very interesting. Janice? Today we have our weekly wrap-up question. I'm going to ask it anywhere from Zechariah chapter 9 through to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 10, 1 through 15. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him... He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, and Lebaeus, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who is in it is worthy, and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you, nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 15. We continue to learn the New Testament, Matthew chapter 10, 11, and 12. You know, in Matthew 10, we see how Jesus calls his 12 together, his 12 disciples, and he calls it to him. And he gives them an assignment. 
But who were these men, really? There was nothing extraordinary about them, except that God had called them by their names and their livelihoods to follow him. And he was now sending them out with a specific task. It was not about what these men did or what they were or who their parents were. It was the power of God in them that took these ordinary men and made them into amazing men. We know them today as the apostles. The Lord Jesus defines each of us in a way that makes sense of our life because every life has a calling and a purpose given by God. God calls every person to do his work and will in the time that they live. When we do that, it makes sense to us. It is only when we resist God and do what we feel instead that we have conflict and trouble in our lives. But when we surrender our lives to the Lord and ask him to help us as we follow him, he does. This is an important lesson for everyone to learn from the immediate disciples of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something. What a group of guys. They are, you look at them afterwards and you say, oh my goodness, what amazing men. But you look at them before when God chose them and you're like, oh Lord, wow. The miracle of God's divine character and personality to change them is stunning. And that's not something human. That's something divine, beloved. And that's what he can do for you. That's what he can do for me and has done for me. Let me tell you, we don't have any great superiority. We simply know we're beggars and we simply know where the bread is. It's Jesus Christ. That's the truth. And so when we understand that and the personality of God is released in our lives, then suddenly we become who we were called to be. Very important. Today, we're going to talk about the assignment. Matthew 10. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. I would encourage you, if you don't have one, to write or call for yours or go to Bible Discovery TV and click on the Bible guide. It'll take you to a page. And then uh, for you can donate. May God uh, help you and whatever you decide to donate. And then, of course, it takes you to a page where you can download it exactly like we've printed it. Father, help us today. Matthew chapter 10 is a really good one. Your son, Jesus Christ, only begotten son, fully Lord and fully God, you demonstrated to us the truth about how to live in this world. Help us, teach us your way and show us your paths as we look at your word. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen. All right, let's listen to what God tells us because this is really interesting. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power. Now look at this. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthias, or Matthew. 
the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labias, whose name, surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. What a group of men. Jesus gave his disciples the power to overcome and perform miracles. All power and authority is given through the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be clear about this. I want to make this very clear. There are spirits in this world that have existed since sin has begun. And Satan is evident here in the spiritual world. And those spirits are alive. And Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, is the only one who's holy, and he's the only one who can overpower the other spirits and take control. And Jesus gave that to his disciples. Fascinating. What did they do with it? Well, let's go back to the scripture and let's find out. Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 to 8. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Don't do that. Do not enter the city of the Samaritans. Don't do that. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, Freely give. Don't charge for it or call an 800 number for it. Jesus instructed his disciples to go to the house of Israel first. We must make sure that we are only worshiping the one true God in our churches. In our churches. I have never seen the violation of the pulpits as I have seen it in the last 10 years. I have never in my life seen it. There are churches who are faithful to God's word, praise the Lord. But there are other churches, I have no idea what in the world they're teaching. Bad news. We must understand that we serve Jesus Christ of the Bible. We need to read the Bible. Let's go back to the scripture, 10, 9 to 15. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs for a worker. A worker is worth his food. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who is in it and who is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into the house, greet it. If the household is worthy, let, it, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom, the land of Gomorrah in the day of judgment, than it will be for that city. Jesus said that those who would accept them and their message were worthy. Beloved, we should always communicate the gospel of Christ, whether it is acceptable or not. Whether it is acceptable does not matter. God did not say, we'll see what the people want and do what they want. That is not what God said. God said, go into all the world, teach the good news, and then 
I will say to you, well done, faithful, good and faithful servant. You see, beloved, we don't have people pleasers. We have to please the living Lord Jesus Christ. That is our God. That is ultimately who we preach and please. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you clap and when you get excited, you are celebrating life. Do you understand that? Jesus Christ gave us life. But he promised that the Holy Spirit would be sent. Okay, so in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus, in speaking with the unbelieving scribes and Pharisees, refers back to the prophet Jonah. And he says this, A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, the fact that Jesus refers to Jonah is significant for a number of reasons. For one thing, it demonstrates that Jesus believed Jonah to be an actual person in history, which is contrary to what a lot of liberal scholars believe these days. And the other thing which is connected is that Jesus was comparing his very real and upcoming historical event to another real historical event, Jonah in the belly of the fish, three days and three nights. So today we're going to review that history. So let's do that. Jonah, the son of Amittai, was commissioned by the Lord to preach and prophesy unto the wicked and pagan city of Nineveh. Actually, it is the only case of a biblical prophet being sent to the heathen, and Jonah wants no part of it. Indeed, it was the 8th century BC, and Nineveh was the capital city of Israel's sworn enemy, Assyria. In fact, just decades later, God would use Assyria to destroy Israel. Thus, Jonah wanted no part of this mission trip and so boards a ship heading in the completely opposite direction, to Tarshish. Yet as the prophet was about to learn firsthand, God is inescapable. For Jonah, this reality came suddenly and dramatically. During the voyage, God brings forth a tempest so severe that even the professional seafarers were frightened. So terror-struck were they that they began to throw cargo overboard and pray to their gods for deliverance. Ironically, the one responsible for this divine calamity was fast asleep below deck. When the captain discovers Jonah, he rebukes the prophet, saying, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps he will consider us, so that we may not perish. To find out who is the cause of this trouble, they cast lots. And through divine intervention, the lot falls on Jonah. The prophet was exposed. Now he had no choice but to tell them the truth. I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land, and I have fled from his presence. At this the men were greatly afraid and did not know what to do with him. But Jonah knew. Throw me into the sea, he said, then it will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. Though they initially refused, throwing him overboard was clearly the only option. When they do, the raging storm ceases. This display of power caused the men to fear the Lord exceedingly and to even offer a sacrifice to him. As for Jonah, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow him, and he was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Though he was as good as dead, from the belly of the fish, from the belly of Sheol, he pleads with God for mercy. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. Again, God commands Jonah to go to Nineveh, 
and this time he obeys. There he proclaims the word of the Lord, yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. To Jonah's complete and utter displeasure, the people actually heed the warning, and God spares the city. For God's mercy on the city, Jonah is so angry that he wants to die. Jonah's account ends with God's reply to the angry prophet. Should I not pity Nineveh, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left? So although some question the historicity of Jonah because of its incredible account, the Bible in passages like Matthew 12 and Matthew 16 speak of Jonah as a real person in history. And if you're a Christian, you have no reason to doubt the historicity of Jonah. If Jesus accepted him as a historical figure, then so should we. And with that, let's take this very real historical event to heart. Let's not run from God or we too might just have our own Jonah experience. I think that, that people have the Jonah experience in a lot of places in the Bible. For example, they talk about in Genesis, you know, it's a long time, you know, billions of years. But Jesus himself says uh, in the beginning, and he talks about Adam and Eve and all of that. And so it's stunning to realize that Jesus, God himself, believed in the creation. <laughs> That's really interesting. It is very interesting. Yeah. Very good. Well, and he definitely believed that that not just Jonah was a real person, because I mean, you look at which I know you've already talked about. He he was a real person. He shows up in Kings, right? Yeah. We we get to see how he prophesied during the reign, probably during the reign of Jeroboam too, right? Um, making him contemporary with Amos and Hosea and Isaiah, even a young Isaiah, maybe before he started prophesying, but. But Jesus also talks about how the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 12 now. With this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. So it's not just Jonah even, it's the, the whole event, right? Which you've mm -hmm. already talked about. But what I find really interesting here is in, in the context of what Jesus is saying, there's, there's a few really key and interesting things that we can draw out from this sign of the prophet Jonah, right? Because we've got, they're asking, you know, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees want Jesus. He's, he's already been healing, right? He's already been preaching. He's already been dispensing his wisdom that we're told the crowds are amazed at. They're amazed at his authority and obviously the signs that he's doing. But now they have the, the boldness and really the audacity to ask him for yet another sign, perhaps a specific sign that they want done, right? And so Jesus says that the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. So the idea here is that Gentiles, not the Israelites, Gentiles who had no previous relationship with God, repented at the preaching of Jonah. And then again, the queen of Sheba, the queen of the South, she she came for what? The wisdom of Solomon that was God given. Uh, so that's really interesting. So because the people repented at Jonah's preaching and the queen of Sheba came to hear Solomon's wisdom, it was God's words that changed them, not the miracles of God. And so the scribes and the Pharisees have both. They have the miracles of God and they have the words and the wisdom and the preaching of God himself, and yet they're not. So this is a, this is a double condemnation. But as Ryan has already talked about as well, 
it was, Jesus said that as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so the son of man, so Christ will be in the, in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. What's really interesting about this is God makes this comparison with Jonah. And, and it, it is true that while Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so Jesus would be dead for three days and three nights before rising. But also this is the perfect image because what did Jonah do that was different for an Israelite prophet after he was resurrected essentially from the dead, after getting out of the belly of the fish. He, he preached to who? The Gentiles. So would Christ's death and resurrection open up the gospel of God for who? The Gentiles, right? So God has arranged for us here a really perfect image that goes that goes beyond. It's even deeper than the surface here. Uh, another thing that I think is really interesting, if we go back to Jonah in Jonah chapter one, is the 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 men, the the men on the boat. Uh, these pagan men who it talks about, they're, they're praying to their gods because the storm is really great and they know they're all going to drown. They're going to capsize. And Jonah says, I, I'm an Israelite. Uh, I, just throw me overboard because God's angry with me. And they don't want to do it, right? That's right? Because these pagan men, the, the reputation of the God of Israel precedes him as a God who does not accept human sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And so they don't want to throw Jonah overboard. They think it's going to make it worse, but they do it anyway. This is really interesting to me because the disciples of Christ... These fishermen who are literally sometimes on a boat with Jesus, what do they not want to happen to Jesus? For him to be crucified. Because it doesn't make sense to them because their concept is of this conquering Messiah, not of the suffering servant and then a conquering Messiah. So there's a lot of connections here is what I'm trying to say with the prophet Jonah. And I just find it really interesting. And remember, even Peter, when Jesus was talking about his death, yeah. said, oh, no, exactly. I'm never no, going to no, let no, that no. happen to you. And, and Jesus was at that point, get behind me, Satan, yeah. because this was God's plan yes. from before the foundations, yes. you know, and, and so it, it really is when you start going through those layers, the depth it totally that's here, works. right? Oh, so yeah. you get to the New Testament <laughs> after reading this and you begin to understand this and see it. And that's why reading the whole Bible is important because is. we gain that perspective. And then when we read the New Testament, all of a sudden things make sense. Yeah. And so it becomes very, very obvious. Now, you are going to have a chance to talk with us, Corey. Tell us. <laughs> when. Okay. So I wrote notes for myself because I, 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 I'm not good with modern dates. Ancient dates, I got you. But listen, <laughs> I would like to meet you because when I meet some of you guys out in public, I have before, and you always say, I watch you every day or I, I watch you every week and I see your face. And I always think to myself, it's not really fair because I don't get to see your face. So I love when I meet you guys out in public. But... We have decided to create a time when you can come and meet us. We're doing a seminar of sorts on October 21st in Brampton, Ontario. It's free to come and register. Basically what's gonna happen is each one of us here at the table is going to uh, do, uh, we're, we're going to give a teaching on John, because we're going to be in John on October 21st uh, in our Bible reading. And then there's also going to be time of fellowship and, you know, coffee, meet and greet, come talk to us. So if you would like to join us, mm -hmm. October 21st, I think it's 1 to 5, right? It 1 is. to 5.30. There's going to be a, a, 
I think there's going to be a slide that they can see actually on the, on the screen、Perfect. that gives all the details. But yes, in, in Brampton, Ontario.、Yeah. So if you're in Ontario、uh, and you want to come and join us, we would love,、uh, as Corey said, to meet you. Yeah. So you can、um, register on our website, or you、yes. can call the Canadian office. Brampton's not far away if you're in Toronto, and、uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean. It's actually it's not far away from Buffalo, New York. It's not far、sure. away. Actually, you can make it in four hours from Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so I mean, there's a lot of places you can come and visit us from, or from Rochester, New York, across the lake.、Yeah. And registering is just so that we know how many people are coming. We、yes. need to know how many people to prepare for.、Yes. So it's very important for for you to get. Your registration in BibleDiscoveryTV.com forward slash register, or you can call our Canadian office if、question. that's better for you. Now, the Friday wrap-up question. I know there's lots of you that are waiting, holding your breath for the question of the week, and here it is. We're going to put Ryan and Corey on the spot. In the genealogy of Jesus Christ, listed in Matthew, how many generations are from Abraham to David? From David until the captivity in Babylon, and from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ, is it ten generations, twelve generations, or fourteen generations? This is really easy. What? <laughs> because yeah, because I taught on this、uh, a couple of days ago.、Right? Yes. <laughs> so if you were paying attention, so if, if you were paying attention, attention. Yes. <laughs> and if you grab your Bible right away, because it can be an open book test. I'm just saying, just saying, not for these two. Mm. Thank, you. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that. No, that's okay because you don't you don't just have to count them because Matthew, as the narrator, sums it up for you. He does、mm-hmm. indeed. He writing to、he、the Jewish、indeed. people, how many? Fourteen.、Mm-hmm. All right. So that's what they're saying. Fourteen. If you agree with、uh, Ryan and Corey, I'm going to read Matthew one verse seventeen. So all the generations from Abraham to David are fourteen. Fourteen generations from David until the captivity in Babylon are fourteen generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are fourteen generations. That's Matthew one verse seventeen. Good job. Well, I want to remind you of October the 21st from 1 till 5:30 p.m. at Faith Gospel Tabernacle.、Uh, if you can make it, if you're in the Ontario area or around New York City or New York and all of that, then、uh, Buffalo and all that, come and see us. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. 
And I would say that we're gonna have a lot of fun and we're gonna to speak together and work together and meet you. Father, I pray today, help me to be a witness for you all and help me to understand that you are the Lord in Jesus' name, amen.